Bill. How are you doing today? Robin, I'm doing so great. You know what? We have hit the autumnal season here in the Northern Hemisphere, or, mm-hmm. or as we like to refer to it here in the Americas, pumpkin spice season. So I love this time of year. Super, super happy. How's things with you? Uh, I'm the same. I had my first pumpkin spice latte this morning. Decided to get up, go for a little hike, and on the way back, have a little cheeky Starbies. So one grande pumpkin spice latte, driving in the car, and then just stash the cup before I got home so the, the wife didn't know I was off diet plan. So Love yeah, that, that, that's the joy of having a weak willpower and enjoying the sensation of autumn. Well, it's so not about next- willpower, Robin. The bottom line is before noon, there are no calories in pumpkin spice. So you're, you're good to go. I don't see any problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh good oh good well as the weather cools down i know the the world of security still continues to heat up tons of people are now returning back to the office especially in europe after the august vacations kids are getting ready to go back into school starting the september right. seasons and as such everybody is more ripe of a target the more that people are distracted the more that people are focused the more noise there is and the more noise it's easier to exploit You know, after all, most threat actors, they try to work people up into an emotional state before looking to extort and to extrapolate that data. So, yeah, my advice to everybody listening straight away is be more vigilant at the moment. Fishing is going to be higher than ever. It's fishing season. And sorry, I'm going off on a rant. I'm going off on a tangent, sorry, Bill. My my mind is wandering. It's blossoming into ideas. I'm blooming. Nerdiness. I love your ideas here. In fact, I, I saw a meme that was quite funny that that was circulating among some of us about somebody creating a poorly crafted phishing email, but making sure that the malicious URL was embedded in the report phishing button, which I, I, I thought was great. But you know, you, you bring up a good point here, and there, there was something else that that we uh, we were discussing. Obviously, this time of year, there is back to school, but we're coming to the holiday seasons. The kiddies are going to be home. They're going to be watching their television sets, and uh, we all know about Paw Patrol. But you brought something up to all of us that uh, that I think was enlightening about being cautious and so forth. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Paw Patrol and, and what you're seeing out there? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So Paw Patrol, for those aren't aware, is a fantastic show about a series of emergency services dogs. You have a construction worker, a air pilot, a... Police officer, fire services dog. I don't think any of these are actually accredited or regulated. They don't seem to have one form of helpline. They just seem to be going out. They're pretty much vigilantes. But kids love them. They so the do. Paw Patrol, yeah, they love them. I don't get it. You know, we need more regulation, more GRC in the world of Paw Patrol. But I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm very caffeinated today. That pumpkin spice is coursing through the veins. <laughs> What happened is is pretty interesting. So there was a a bunch of Paw Patrol products sold in the real world. You could get some biscuits, you can get some toys, you can have lots of enjoyable things. And on the back of these products was a nice little URL saying, hey, for more Paw Patrol videos, for things to keep the children happy, go to www.dots and here's the URL. And for a large portion of time, that was legitimate. They can see some videos, they can play some online games, they can get some nice worksheets to download, print off, and keep yourself occupied over the school period. It was okay, until it wasn't. (laughs) Ha ha ha, typical story. (laughs) So the company then issued a nice recall notice and said, hey, if you have any of these products, send them back to us. We'll give you a refund, we'll compensate you, we'll make things better. Interesting. It's a very interesting reason why. The URL that was printed on the back of all of these products had been compromised. 
somebody had decided to find an exploit or a flaw and start to redirect that traffic. A nice little DNS recraft to a slightly malicious domain. Now, this malicious domain is not malicious in the regards that it'll hack your computer or malicious in regards to it'll steal your data. It's malicious in regarding to the content. Now, this, I'm going to call them a threat actor because it's posing a, a, a social risk. Sure. They've redirected this Paw Patrol URL to porn, to explicit content. They turned the Paw Patrol into the Porn Patrol, and then lots of children who were deciding to get the iPads and find some stuff was exposed to some very, very explicit content. Oh, boy. Now, oh, boy, oh, boy, indeed. This is both harrowing and hilarious simultaneously. It depends on which side of the fence you, you fall on. But sure. it makes you, makes you remember kind of a few things here. First of all, don't trust QR codes. Don't trust URLs. Don't trust random barcodes you find on the street. Scanning something could take you to a malicious domain. You could get fished. Your data could be stolen. Great. The second is that you need to focus more on internet security, especially if you have children or if you're in a public place. If you're not doing content filtering, if you're not blocking nudity, if you're not enabling safe search or having a tool to filter your traffic to do that, then you're going to be in a very challenging point. The third thing that you need to worry about from this is quite literally your domains. Now, generally in a tech company or generally in any company now, the world has moved on, you would have individuals responsible for renewing the domains, making sure that your URLs are uh, not going to be sniped or poached by somebody else. Because in this poor patrol incident, and this is all alleged, we're still waiting for more information to come out, sure. the legitimate domain expired and somebody else just bought it. The, the current belief is that it was like 3 to $5 or so to buy the domain and then just do a simple AAA record to get that DNS redirected into down a different path. Right. Wow. Unfortunately, Bill, this is zero trust in action. You know, we we yes. talk about zero trust a lot. We talk about looking at perimeter security, device posture. We look at verifying the user. We look at verifying the connection and ensuring that there's a consistency at every point. However, this is the physical security, the physical world, where you're handing out pamphlets, you're handing out packets with legitimized URLs. Right. So tell me, Bill, if my if I was Google, other companies are available, and my Google.com URL started redirecting somewhere else, what tools and techniques could I use to help verify that this is the right domain and I haven't been URL jacked? Well, you know, you really said a mouthful there, Robin, because it, it is a matter of being exercising good hygiene, certainly with the ownership of, of the domain name. But when we are looking at uh, DNS servers and so forth, and, and my goodness, Robin, it just takes a moment to spin up a rogue DNS server. I mean, you can practically mm -hmm. do it with a Python script, right? And and begin mm -hmm. to to serve out uh, resolution that that goes where we don't expect it to go. So certainly we need to look at things like like uh, you know domain reputations. We need to uh, we need to be able to look at that DNS traffic and identify where it may be going and, and maybe implement things like sinkholes so that we don't even get to resolution. So this is one of the most difficult things I think. Uh, DNS is is has become such a necessary part of what we do. We we have to allow it. We have to allow DNS to take place. So what do we do when we, uh, you know, when we have an instance where DNS can be compromised? Well, we can certainly talk about secure DNS and and ways to protect the traffic there as well. 
But I think you already really hit it, Robin. Zero trust is absolutely key. So that even if we do have resolution to a, you know, to an address that has potentially malicious, well, let's just call it unwanted content. We need to make sure that we have something in place that is able to analyze that content mm-hmm. and realize that we don't want to serve that. I mean, think about this, Robin. They're they're issuing a recall, and there's nothing wrong with the toys. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with them, at least as far as we know. It is because of that URL on the package. That's absolutely remarkable. Think of the impact to profitability for that business, right? It's massive, massive. So you, mm-hmm. you really do need to have that now. Here, I think, is where the difficulty comes in. You and I tend to have the context of protecting organizations, businesses. What do you do about end users? What do you do about people in their homes? What do you do about people who who trust implicitly the fact that their Paw Patrol uh, toy that they've brought home and any of the URLs on the package are safe. How do you trust? We, we've got this implicit trust with QR codes. I love that you touched on that. In fact, QR codes are still novel enough that people want to mm-hmm. point their, their mobile devices at them just to see where they go. Oh, don't do that, right? That's, that's like mm-hmm. embedding. I was in a city <laughs> once where they embedded USB ports in the brick walls for you to plug. Why would you do that, right? Why, why would you actually do that? Well, because it's fun. It's something that's new. So you're right. It, it really has to come to zero trust. And how do we get that to actually filter down to the consumer level? Well, we know it can be done. We know, for example, that a lot of the safeguards or the conveniences that we had in the workplace eventually do filter into home devices and vice versa. That can happen both ways. So it's a matter of time, but we really need to start thinking in, in those zero trust terms. I think that's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Indeed. indeed. That level of implicit trust from manufacturers, if you go to a toy shop and buy something, you would think, oh, well, of course they've done their due diligence. They've done their vetting. They've done their, their verification. But if you were to abscond this idea and think, imagine you're a manufacturer, you're a football team, you are selling a product to your customer. Once right. that level of trust, that implicit trust between you and the consumer has been breached, that's going to impact more than just the financial bottom line. Sure, there might be legal action. However, think of the, the reputation. Now, uh, any marketers out there knows that reputation and visibility is so much harder to build than a product. You know, yes, product, you can hire a bunch of developers, you can do a nice spec brief and code things. Products can be built. The hard part is building that reputation that this is what you need, this is why you should trust us, and this is why you should continue doing it. That's so right. if you do come across this situation where you, you've been exploited in any form or you've been hijacked, that's going to crush you. Now, I, like what, I like what you said, Bill, that you need secure DNS, because I always think of DNS as the acronym, not as domain name system, but I think of it as dangerous, not secure, because DNS is just a huge mound of potential problems. If you look oh, at yeah. any application attacks, DNS is, well, DNS is, in the, is involved in the vast majority of breaches out there. Right, yeah. Sure. DNS is used for the vast majority of phishing attacks. DNS is used for most exploitation. So therefore, right. DNS is the problem. We should turn off DNS. Just stop <laughs> it. Nobody needs DNS anymore. Get a notepad and a pen, write down those IP addresses. And once it comes to IPv6, you're going to get really good at handwriting. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that, that's, that's the solution, right? Just turn off DNS. Sure, sure. Yeah, let's have let's go back to the old phone book days. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's uh, interesting you said that. I was in a conversation yesterday with a friend and we thought, if you were to go back to 1950, the sentence, yeah. where are you, pretty much never appeared. They never appeared. Mm. Because you, if you were to call somebody on a landline, you know where that base station is established. Or if That's you right. were to use some form of communication, you know this specific address. But with the proliferation of mobile phones and always mm. on connectivity, wherever you might be, you don't really know who you're talking to, where they mm -hmm. are, or <laughs> how they're doing. You don't know the security posture. You don't know who's surrounding them. That's and, right. Heck, sorry, I'm, I'm ranting today. And even to the extent this morning where I was in a queue at Starbucks waiting for some delicious sugary joy, I looked right. around and I saw one person sat on a laptop with uh, the, the peer Profit and loss spreadsheet with lots of sensitive data. I just stood in the queue, seeing what he was doing. I shuffled down a bit sure. more. Somebody, somebody else is building up a proposal. He worked at a well, one of the big four consultancy companies. So I was just oh happily my. reading over his shoulder. You know, get corporate information, very sensitive things that they shouldn't. Positioning is key. Ver right. Visibility of data is key. So all of these potential ways of exposing, ways of leaking data, should be secured. And That's sorry, right. I've, I've gone completely off track. I've gone down a minefield, a rabbit hole of security rambling. Um, yeah, well, so I appreciate, get, I appreciate the revelation. Oh. I, Robin, I never knew you were a shoulder surfer. So now I know you got to watch out for Robin Johnson. <laughs> Not intentionally. You know, if I was it's to work in front sure. of if I'm to walk in front of your kitchen window and start flashing pictures of me in a bikini, of course you're going to look at them. You think, Fair oh, enough. here they yes. are, they shiny. You might be disgusted, you might be put off your dinner, but you can see it. It's, it's, right. it's that visibility. It's that visibility. Be careful it. what you access, when you access it, and how you access it. Whether it be a PowerPoint sat in a coffee shop, a QR code, or going to pornpatrol.com. I don't know if I own this. Don't go, don't go to that URL. Yeah, but yeah. it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Anyway, Bill, I, I don't want this to be the Robin John's rambling session. <laughs> I can save that for a future video. Maybe a nice nature walk. Hmm. What's, what's new in your what's new in your world? Well, it's kind of funny. You sort of touched on it a little bit. Um, I had an interesting question come from an associate of mine here recently, and it really goes along the lines of what you were just talking about. You really made me think when you were talking about <laughs> the proliferation of mobile devices and having to ask where you are, or or even a question that I got recently when I was talking to somebody, uh, obviously on my my uh, car speaker uh, attached via cable because I I don't trust Bluetooth, but they, of course, they asked me, are you alone? Uh, and I, I had to let them know because, again, once upon a time, we knew that you were probably alone if you were on a, a wired handset, at least after the days mm -hmm. of the party line had had uh, gone out of style. Oh, but I had an interesting... Ask, sorry, they asked, were you alone instead of, is this line secure? Come on, that's a good idea. <laughs> exactly. It always feels good saying that. Sure. Sorry, oh, yeah, I'm alone. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, speaking speaking of alone or speaking of is this line secure, the, the question that came to me was from somebody who used WhatsApp. Now, for those who don't know, and I got to believe everybody pretty much knows that listens to this podcast, but just in case you don't know, WhatsApp is a communication application that you load on your mobile device that gives you the ability to, uh, you know, communicate over IP instead of using voice. And you can even use voice and the voice goes over IP. It's, you know, really, really nice to, to, to do that. I don't think we get charged for minutes anymore of voice, but uh, once upon a time, that was a thing. So this was really good. And it's especially good for international calls. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this case, 
this individual was using the secure chat capability of WhatsApp. Now, uh, this implements end-to-end encryption. Now, surprisingly, some folks aren't sure what end-to-end encryption means, especially (laughs) in the context of WhatsApp. Robin, you want to give it a stab and try to let folks know what that means, end-to-end encryption? That's very tricky with the the world of WhatsApp. It depends if you're using the mobile version or if the browser version. Right, uh, right. But the, the principle of end-to-end encryption should be that at no point through any point of the life cycle can a third party willingly or unwillingly break into the conversation. That's Only right. the, inst- the sender and the receiver can do the decryption and validation, and nobody That's in the middle can see what is happening, theoretically. Theoretically speaking. No, and you're right. And 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 we're certainly familiar with that, even from the browser world, right? That, that uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a server will have a certificate that advertises a public key. And that this is, you know, typical public key cryptography, right? You've got a public key uh, to which everybody encrypts their messages to you, but you have a private key. And that's the only thing that can actually decrypt, which is why you can advertise a public key and somebody can't break into your conversation. It's, it's the principle, right? And, and we can, we can go into the whole thing and how, how that's actually implemented. But in this case, this question that this individual asked me is they, they take advantage of the end end encryption, but WhatsApp does not have an app for their tablet. That was the essence of their question. They said, look, I can do this on my phone. I want to do it on my tablet. I love my tablet. I want to start using WhatsApp there. I've noticed that there are third-party WhatsApp applications available in the apps. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you groaning, right? Uh, Oh, boy. And and their question was, which one is safe to use? Oh, (laughs) now you're, you're killing me here because you've now, in essence, handed trust over for your end-to-end encryption to a third party. It's no different than the Paw Patrol, right? You're you're handing mm-hmm. trust over and you're presuming that the parents are going to check and they may not necessarily. So here was my response to them. I actually sent them an article on Bad Bazaar. And I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about Bad Bazaar because this is something that it, it's actually in the news right now, which is why it was really easy for me to hand them the link. But Bad Bazaar is actually spyware. And in, in the, the current news case, it's spyware on Android. And what this what they've what the threat actors managed to do, we'll talk about the threat actor, is they've managed to bundle this spyware in with third-party applications that purport to be able to connect to these secure messengers. So uh, in in the case of the article that I sent over, there were two applications that were being advertised, third-party applications that connect, one connects to Signal. This is another Mm end-to-end encrypted uh, chat and voice application, as well as Telegram. Uh, So it was, they had an app in the store called Signal Plus. Seems Mm -hmm. legit. And then they had one called Flygram for Telegram uh, that that allowed you to link those up and be able to use them on alternate platforms. And of course, they make promises too. This is an enhanced security version or this has additional features. You you get the picture, Robin. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're they're fishing you. But ESET, which uh, if you're not familiar with ESET, it's a Slovenian organization, security organization. They actually spotted this both in the Google Play Store and in the... I'm, I'm, I'm going to be using brand names here, Robin, forgive me, but the, the Samsung Galaxy store. So two big, big stores for third-party applications. They identified that these two, these two apps, Signal Plus and Flygram, actually had this spyware bundled in 
with them. Now the Google, the Google play store took it down right away to my knowledge. It still exists within the Samsung galaxy store. And what it would do is if you installed this application and I actually, I love to talk about the signal one because it's great. If you're familiar with signal at all, if you try to add a device, what it will literally do is it'll cause you to scan a QR code back on your originally registered mobile device. You have to do that in order for it to link it to your account. Well, what Signal Plus does is you say, link it to my account. It actually beacons out to the threat actor with your credentials when you log in with your credentials. And the threat actor steals those credentials and does the QR verification on their end so that they are now in the middle. And then they send back to your device that it's approved. They basically forward it back and forth. So now we have an adversary <laughs> in the middle. Not only is it, can they now spy on your private signal or your private, uh, you know, flygram, your, your private telegram messages, they can record any of the video. And then the spyware mm -hmm. itself will, you know, it'll steal call logs. It'll, it'll pull your contact list or, or send all your SMS, your, your location information, right? You talked about where are you, even Wi-Fi information. And the spyware has the ability to turn on your camera without you knowing or to flip on your microphone and actually listen and record your conversation. So it bypasses all those security measures, adversary in the middle, right? And Flygram, one of the neat things that Flygram does, and I'll talk about this concept, they actually do certificate pinning of the traffic to the threat actor, which means it becomes mm -hmm. really difficult to analyze the traffic because they utilize certificate pinning. Now, certificate pinning, certificate stapling, two different things. We can talk about that some other time. But mm -hmm. the key here is the moment you start downloading those third-party applications, you are handing trust over to somebody else. That's the bottom mm -hmm. line. And in that end-to-end -end encryption scenario, all of a sudden you may think it's end-to-end -end encryption. Well, it, it may be between you and the threat actor but not between you and the people that you're trying to speak with. And, and so the model breaks down. So something very interesting to keep them. Now, what do you do? What do you do? And, 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 and why does this even matter, right? This is somebody on WhatsApp. What do we care? Well, again, we, we talked about it in a prior episode. Mobile devices also have organizational information. People use them to access work. They, they will, mm -hmm. you know, connect to work. They have access to files. They, they may be even having private conversations over signal with work colleagues because it's end to end encrypted. And so private information is being exchanged. Oh, Robin, we're wide open mm -hmm. at that point. We, right? Indeed we are. I don't know if it's so much in the, the U S bill, but in uh, Europe and India, WhatsApp is used as a way of communicating from businesses to people as well. So you go sure. and check into a hotel and then you'll have a nice little message on WhatsApp saying, hi, it's the front desk. Let me know if you need anything. It's being used very much as a replacement or an enhancement for the traditional emails. So right. it's used as a marketplace in many locations. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and so, you know, with, with this increasingly large span of usage of these applications and the trust, the implicit trust we put in them and, and, and trust is another matter entirely, especially when it when we talk about things like WhatsApp, which is meta, uh, the same folks mm -hmm. that do Facebook, uh, or or even Signal and Telegram. Although the communication may be encrypted, there's metadata that's being mm -hmm. collected, and that metadata is often just as powerful 
as maybe the encrypted communications that are taking place. So if, you know, if, if we're sending something like that over WhatsApp, a hotel is doing that, well, that immediately gives away our location. It may give away a, a reservation number or a room mm-hmm. number or, or any number of things, right? Uh, just in, in the information that's being exchanged, particularly if there's, a, there's an adversary in the middle. So what do you do? What do you do to prevent this, not only for the end user, but for an organization? How's an organization supposed to protect themselves with the fact that they've got users that are going to be bringing these, even if they're not bringing them into work, they may be using it to access work from home. What do you do? Well, Robin, you you already hit it. You already talked about it. Let's keep in mind that zero trust is not a product. Yes, mm-hmm. we can deploy malware to, 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 to try to stop that malicious payload from being downloaded, even from an app store. Sure, we can do DNS and URL reputation like you and I were just talking with, you know, with the Paw Patrol and, and try to identify potential command and control servers that threat actors are using to turn on your cameras or to turn on your microphones and so forth. We can even watch network data flow. And that is po- that is actually very powerful when you can start doing user and entity behavioral analytics. That, that's very powerful. You can start noticing that anomalous behavior is taking place, but it really is that zero trust approach, not the zero trust product. If somebody tells you it's a zero trust product, scratch the surface, right? <laughs> it is that approach. There are. I, I, I tend to think of it in terms of three categories that you're constantly evaluating in, in zero trust. First of all, you're constantly evaluating identity. Is this person Mm -hmm. still who they say they are, right? Then you are constantly evaluating their context. Were they communicating from Singapore just now and all of a sudden they're in Omaha? Well, that's, that could be an impossible traveler scenario. Are we checking for that context? Are they doing things at a time that we would expect? right? That's the context. And then that security stack as well, that's looking for things like malware or, or, you know, uh, DNS and, and URL, the, the resolution and the reputation and so forth. All of these things need to be evaluated on a constant basis. It's the same thing with the Paw Patrol. Look, the toys are lovely. They're fluffy. The kids love it, right? But as a, as a parent, I can't just assume that everything on that package is safe, that the URLs on the mm-hmm. package are safe. Look, I, I, I see little kids walking around with mobile devices now. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, talk about <laughs> risk. You can't just give up the trust to the fact that it's printed on the package of a, a, a fluffy stuffed animal, nor can you give up the trust simply because it's in the app store and it says Signal Plus. And hey, you're mm-hmm. going to get some additional functionality out of this. And we promise you, we promise that it's more secure and we have your best interests in mind. You really need to have that exact sort of framework that you were just talking about, Robin, that zero trust mm-hmm. approach to how you're trying to secure our digital lifestyle. I mean, from the Signal Plus, technically it is more secure, but not secure in your interests. <laughs> if the threat actor <laughs> is securing the data to their points of presence, then happy days. And yeah, yeah. it's not just it's not just the WhatsApp. I've seen a huge spike with um, ChatGPT. So ChatGPT apps for phone and mobile, and people are downloading oh, it, goodness. and that's great. You just act, they're acting as a proxy. They're farming your data. They're sending the results back to you, and people are throwing corporate secrets into that on a daily basis, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. from development. But right. you're right, Bill. There's there's no magic silver bullet that will give you full zero trust. It's a mentality change. It's, it requires tools, it requires processes, and it requires user education 
all together as one compounded output. So, yeah, I feel a little bit scared. I, I'm thinking I've left my my little ones at home with an iPad right now. So I'm probably going to rush off and then just lock it down or just drain <laughs> the battery somehow. Because I I have come away now feeling a little fearful. And that's good. It's good to par- be paranoid as long as you don't panic. That's but, right. Uh, yeah, all good. Right. Well, anyway, Bill, thank you for your time today. And until next one, you stay safe out there. You as well. Always a pleasure, Robin.